Do we have any viewers right now? Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Living in the Light podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing the topic of science versus Christianity. Would you like to start us off, Caleb? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Riley real quick. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, I have to get my dots with it. All right, so I will start. So for introduction, I'd like to say that um, before we really get into the subject, we need to talk about the fact that when you're talking about the subject of science versus Christianity, you're talking about origin science or historical science as opposed to observational science. So essentially, observational science is something that can be repeated in a laboratory and then tested and then done again and again to get answers, while origin science is something that happened a long time ago. What matter whether you take the creation standpoint or the evolution standpoint, it's a long time ago, we can't repeat that. Troy Lacey with Answers in Genesis says, neither creationism nor cosmic evolution nor Darwinian biological evolution is observational science, and they are not observable, testable, repeatable, falsifiable events. Therefore, we would state we cannot empirically prove them. However, we can look at the evidence that we have now and use that information to draw conclusions about how the universe was created. You're a little nervous about this, aren't you? Because you forget to introduce our guest star here. Yeah. What do you mean, Caleb? By the way, guys, this is Caleb. He's here with us for this uh, to help us with this subject and whatnot. I said I was going to use him. Hey, guys. Guys, come on. You're the guest star. Come on. Hey, we brought you on because you had you wanted to be on. Well, yeah, I right. wanted to be. Okay, all right, whatever. All right, get off. I've got my bit done. Christianity versus science, right? Yeah. Was the flood like when? When did it take place? Like, do you know when it took place? And like, then, like, how? The date? Yeah, how did it like affect? I don't know the actual. Date. No one knows the exact. Date. Well, yeah, I it's know. Hard to, yeah, it's hard to figure things out when you're in ancient history. Yeah, at home, on my no. computer. Okay. All right. That's right. <laughs> I, I should have brought. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't go back home. Okay. Grandma's sick, bro. She's like corny. Anyways, uh, so oh, in this podcast episode, we are discussing science versus Christianity, and one thing I wanted to mention is they can coexist because they do coexist. There is no uh science without. Uh, Christianity, because a lot of uh, science jumps that we have made in the past yeah. were made by Christians based off their beliefs, and we have found things through that. Yeah. Uh, James Tower of Rice University uh, said, once said that only a rookie who knows nothing about science says it takes away from faith. If you study science, it will lead you to God. Yeah. I mean, people seem to sometimes get a false idea that you can't be a Christian and a scientist because, you know, they say that Christianity is getting in the way of science and that science proves Christianity, whereas that is actually false. And they'll also claim that Christianity gets in the way of progress in science because it's, you know, they say it's all the supernatural beliefs and you can't help science. But if you actually look at history, a lot of the major, like Riley said, a lot of the major things we've discovered were because of, from Christians. I have a list here of scientific dif- disciplines established by creation scientists, cre- scientists that believed in biblical creation. And the disciplines that they established were antiseptic surgery, bacteriology, calculus, celestial mechanics, chemistry, comparative anatomy, computer science, dimensional analysis, dynamics, electronics, electrodynamics, electromagnetics, energetics, etymology of living insects, field theory, fluid mechanics. And it goes on and on and on. I think I have 40-some here of different fields that were discovered by Christians. And so when someone says that Christianity gets in the way of science, you can point back at history and say that is absolutely false. Most of the jumps in science we've made were from Christians. Yeah. 
So, uh, well, I thought it was your job. So, if you got something on this topic, okay. no, 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 I saw that. Right. So, uh, I like there are a lot of writers who have written about things that have happened in the Bible who were not mentioned in the Bible, like uh, Phlegon and 140 AD, Thal uh, Thalius and 55 AD, Lucian of Sama Osodata and 166 AD, and Tacitus and 116 AD. There was tons of names. They all mentioned like Jesus and other things and different things that happened that they weren't really Christians, not all of them were, but they did mention a lot of the things that made them think about uh, Christianity and whatnot and that proved things in the Bible that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of pros to um, science and Christianity coexisting, but there's also some cons. Because you got some scientists, you know, that believe in evolution and um, the Big Bang and stuff like that, which, according to the Bible, isn't true. So, I mean... Yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have those here. Oh, this is... But, yeah. Pointing that. Yeah. Alright. I'm trying to find, because I forgot to exit one part out, because... But yeah, like you said, if you look back at history, you can see a lot of other people outside the Bible that weren't necessarily Christians that um, confirmed some of the biblical accounts. Like you said, um, Pallas, uh, what was everyone? Tacitus? Tacitus. Tacitus. And I think Josephus, too, mentions Jesus a couple times. Yeah. And so you can look at history, and you can't say that the Bible is the only place that talks about Christianity when there actually is other people in history that have talked about Jesus Christ and can prove this. And you can prove historically beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was a legitimate human being, and he did walk on this earth. I have not found anything to, like, really prove that he rose from the dead, because I haven't found, like, any writings of that at all, other yeah. than, like, the Bible, but there is definitely no doubt that Jesus did walk this earth, and that he did uh, preach about God and whatnot. Yeah. He was at least a follower of God, yeah. or, in our belief, the Son of God. If you look at history, you can definitely see that Jesus was there. And also, I've, I don't know a ton on this subject. I've only just started looking into it. If you look through the Gospels, you can see that they actually have been time and time again proven to be accurate archaeolo through archaeology and other studies. That actually the Gospel accounts of Jesus Christ's life, whether it be like places he visited that didn't, they didn't know necessarily existed, but they've been proven archaeologically. Um, I think Nazareth was one of them. He was Nazareth was actually believed to, like, no one knew where it was, like, in the Bible times, they believed it didn't exist, and then at one point, they actually did find it, Nazareth, from the Bible, I think it was in, uh, writings or something, they mentioned Nazareth, and so, if you look at history, you can see that archaeology and history, they prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the gospel accounts are at least accurate historical documents, and what they say historically, whether that be, like, geor geography, or historically, something like that. And so, the way I would take it is, if you can trust the Gospels' accounts to be completely accurate in geography and history, why can't you trust them to be accurate in everything else they say? Yeah, and like, it's, it would be hard to find like physical evidence to prove things like that yeah. for the Bible, because a lot of the stuff that would have been there is, would not definitely not be around here today. Like, the Ark, we're never going to find that, because no. that, they probably took that apart to build houses, or even, they probably just brought it away. Yeah. And whatnot, and so it's gonna just be hard to find physical evidence like that. Yeah, but Tem temples are destroyed and stuff yeah. like that. Walls are gone. Yeah. Cities are. Yeah, the world changes a lot over this over two thousand years. Mm -hmm. 
but we can still look back at history and different historical documents and things and see that, yeah, Jesus was real. You can't deny him. Yeah, you, can't, you can't deny that Jesus did not walk this earth. You cannot deny that. Even secular Christians, not secular Christians, even secular people admit that, yeah, Jesus was a real person. They just claimed he wasn't God. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was how the Ice Age fits in the Bible, because some people believe it did happen. They want to know, like, did it happen, did it not happen, how did it fit in? What I believe and what is a good uh, possibility of what did happen is after the flood that the uh, earth had, since the water was usually warm after rains and whatnot, that once the waters went away, the world went to an ice freeze and ice age for a few years, and that probably what killed off the dinosaurs and whatnot, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen that view before. Um, I haven't looked, I didn't end up, I didn't uh, look into that subject really. But yeah, I think what you said pretty much sums it up. Because there's either that or the dinosaurs just never made it onto the ark, which I'm not understand. I don't know if I know why that, because yeah, God said bring two every time yeah. onto the ark. I would definitely think that the dinosaurs went onto the ark and they probably came off of it. I don't think they would have died on the ark. I think something happened afterwards that killed them off. Yeah. Possibly the ice age. Yeah, possibly yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That or they were hunted down, maybe. So for the beginning of our next section, we're going to talk about evolution. Um, I wanted to open up by saying why Christians should reject the theory of evolution. Um, so evolution believes that in the beginning of time there was one organism, and that organism evolved over and over and over, and it kept splitting up and reorganizing, reorganizing, and mutating, and through natural selection became all the species we see today. And why Christians should reject it, if you look at the Bible, like John 1.3 says, All things were made by him, without him was not anything made that was made. Genesis, obviously the Genesis account, God created the world. And some people seem to think that the Genesis account, they try to fit in evolution into the Bible by saying the Genesis account is false. And while I would say that definitely can't be said, because you can't trust the first verse, why would you get to trust the rest of it? It's all the Bible or none of the Bible. But they also don't seem to realize that Genesis account is not the only place in the Bible that talks about creation. As I just mentioned, John 1.3, also Psalms 33, 4-11. Isaiah 42, 5-9, uh, Colossians 1, 16-7, Colossians 2, 8, and Isaiah 44, 24-25 also talk about God creating the world. And so, it's just not really possible to fit evolution into the Bible. Also, uh, if evolution, evolution did exist, why is there not any today? Like, you don't see monkeys slowly becoming humans or animals suddenly changing to, for no absolutely no reason. Like, atoms can't just rewrite their numbers. Because, like, if, uh, I saw this one example, it was a good example. If you have, say, a dog with an X, Y, a big X, big Y, a lowercase X, lowercase Y, and same thing on the other side, you're going to be able to get different uh, breeds and animals from those, like, lowercase all X and Y, lower, uppercase all X and Y, is a mix of the two. But you can't get a capital A, lowercase B, whatever. So you can't just rewrite what is in structure of the atoms and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the way, basically, what they say is that creatures mutated, and that's natural selection. But if you actually look at the evidence, um, for instance, Andrews and Genesis said, mutations do not add new information to the genome. Duplications are the result of duplicating existing genetic information, and mutations alter existing genetic information, whether original or duplicated. Neither of them adds new information. In order for evolution to take place, new information has to be added to the creature's DNA and to their genes for them to change. 
And so the, the illustration they gave is, think about it this way. If I give someone a copy of a book they already own, they don't have any new information. That would be duplication. Just a copy of information they already had. If I subsequently take a marker and mark out some of the letters or words in the copy of the book I gave them, they still don't have any new information, just a messed up copy of one of the books. Stephen C. Meyer of Cambridge Philosopher of Science said, we don't have a single example in the history of science in which information has ever come from anything other than intelligence. There's no property of physics or chemistry that can account for the detail we see in DNA. There's just no way for anything, any genetics or anything to happen where it adds to the genetics of the creature. Yeah. It's not possible. So, like, uh, you can mutate, like, people, I know scientists are mutating animals and that all the time, but you can't just mutate it off yeah. the bat. It doesn't mutate it by itself. Yeah. I mean, things do mutate, but the problem is, when a mutation happens, it takes genetic information away from the DNA, it doesn't add information to it. Which is where they seem to get mixed up, because they claim that evolution happens or whatever, which would have to add evolution, or not evolution, add information to the creature's DNA, whereas there is no, currently science has absolutely zero evidence of that ever happening in the past, and it has actually been proven by genetics that you cannot add information to genes. You, it's not possible. It cannot arise randomly. Mutations do not add information. Mutations only take away information. Yeah. So do you guys have anything else on evolution? Or no, not really. What's, uh, what's the next one? Well, I had this, so I followed it this way. So Dr. Harold Morowitz, former professor of biophysics at Yale University, estimated that the probability of the chance formation of the smallest simpling form of organism is one out of 10 to the 340 millionth power. So, I just wanted to point out that the odds of a single, not a whole creature, okay? The odds of a single cell evolving is one in 10 to the 340 millionth power. And so I heard that number, one in 10 and 340 million power. That's a big number. That is a 10 followed by 340 million zeros. That number, I, so I did a little, I did looked it up, and according to missingchallenge.com, the, the Bible contains 3,566,480 letters. So if you look at it this way, this number is 95 long, times longer, has 95 times more letters in the Bible. That is the odds of evolution of one cell occurring from evolution. It's unimaginable. So, another topic we wanted to talk about uh, with Science vs. Christian is the Big Bang Theory, because I know a lot of there's a lot of believers on that. Yeah. I haven't met any, but I know that they're out there and whatnot. So, uh, kind of just got to be straight up on it. Like, yeah, I mean, like really, the, like, how are you gonna get? So, the, how are you gonna get a Big Bang? For those of you who don't really know the whole theory, the Big Bang Theory is that two things of nothing smashed together <laughs> and created everything. Pretty much. And yep. that's and that's how uh, our galaxy is made. And there's another version of the Big Bang Theory that that's how every galaxy is made. Like, ours got smashed together, and that's happening all the time to make the other galaxies. I'm not trying to receive hate here, but that might be one of the stupidest theories <laughs> I've ever heard of of my whole life. You know, Unbelievable. It, it doesn't make sense. I don't know, sense. I don't know, know who came up with it. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. But how does like, how does two things of nothing make all of this? Yeah, that's that's the thing. The yeah. thing is, if you take it hypothetically, they say what there's like chemical clouds or something weird that collide to make an explosion, right? Yeah. yeah. So take it this way: Where did those clouds of chemicals ever come from, right? And then they say, well, it was caused by this. Okay, what caused that? Regardless, if even if you, like, Big Bang Theory is obviously false. Even if you take it as fact, 
there still has to be a God to create the Big Bang, the materials necessary for the Big Bang to occur. Now, and yeah. some, now some people might say that, because I've heard multiple people say, oh yeah, God created the Big Bang to, hap to happen, but in the Bible it says that God spoke and then things exactly. were made. I, I have a section here on why the Christians reject the Big Bang Theory. And um, the first one is Exodus 20.11 says the earth was created in six days, while the Big Bang Theory requires that the earth was developed over billions of years. Um, the Genesis account, obviously, and it also says that in, in 2 Peter 3.5, Genesis 1, 2 through 9, and Psalm 24.2, that the earth is made from water, while the standard secular model states that the earth started as a molten planet that cooled over millions of years. So as you can see, the Big Bang Theory never is going to fit into the Bible. Exactly. It's not it's, possible. Yeah, because like... Uh, we're sitting here on a river, on an island in the middle of a river, and nothing's going to stop that river's flow. But if I throw, like, a stick or branch across the river, the water's going to stop. It's not just going to stop on its own. There's no way it's going to yeah. happen. I mean, look at it this way. If I took a bottle of ink and a stack of printer paper and a piece of leather and I put them together and I put a bomb on top of them and I lift the fuse and it exploded, will that create a book? No. No, it won't create no. a book. That's what they claim happens. Actually, they don't claim that. It's a little worse than that because they claim that a bomb exploded, essentially, and then nothing turned into a book. But just for sake of illustration, you can never create it, everything from nothing. Well, uh, I saw this one thing, which is like uh, pretty much the same example that we just did twice. But uh, some guy said that if you take the parts to a phone and you put them together, put a bomb on it, and explode it, suddenly like all came together as a phone perfectly made and everything somehow you wouldn't think how did that happen on its own you would think who's who was the inventor to create that yeah like how did who made that happen because that was cool yeah i mean you look at a painting you say wow what a genius artist who painted that you look at a car you say wow that mechanic is a genius to build that you look at any piece of technology you say someone had to be a genius to design that and then you look at the world around you you look at the trees that can grow from a tiny little seed you look at the people all around you living their lives and you say that that came from absolutely nothing. Yeah, th there, so there is a designer behind all of this, yes. and there's no way of uh, doing it. I have a couple uh, more like scientific -y evidences for the Big Bang to be false. Um, the Answers in Genesis website, which I got this from, actually lists like 14, but I only have three here. The first one is the lack of something called monopoles. So a monopole is a hypothetical massive particle that's basically just a big magnet, but it only has one pole. So while an ordinary particle would have a south pole and a north pole, a monopole only has one. And um, uh, particle physicists claim that the high, the high temperature conditions of the Big Bang should have created the magnetic monopoles. But since monopoles are predicted to be stable, they should have lasted to this day. Yet despite considerable searching, they have never been found. Because the Big Bang didn't happen. The second one was too little antimatter. The Big Bang model proposes that matter was created from energy as the universe expanded according to experimental physics, however, Whenever matter is created from energy, it produces an equal amount of antimatter. Thus, if the Big Bang were true, then there should be equal amounts of matter and antimatter, but there's not. Almost the entire visible universe is comprised of matter, with only trace amounts, trace amounts of antimatter. And the third one was, this is, all I had, this is everything I'd love to subject then, was that there is no such thing, we have never found something called a population three star. So the Big Bang model can, alone can only account for the three lightest elements, hydrogen, helium, and trace amounts of lithium. But that leaves the other natural elements unexplained. Since the conditions in the Big Bang aren't right to form these heavier elements, secular astronomers claim that stars have produced the remaining elements by nuclear fusion in their cores, which were then distributed when the stars were supernova. However, if this were true, then the first stars would only be comprised of those three elements, correct? Yeah. Because they'd be the only three elements in existence. Henceforth, some of such stars should still be around today, seeing that their lifespan of a star 
is proposed to be much longer than the supposed 13.8 billion years they claim has last since the Big Bang. Such stars would be called population three stars, but none have ever been found in all history. Well, every star has these elements. Uh, it's a, a, kind of like a counterpoint against uh, evolution and the Big Bang. We have never discovered, we've, we've never found like something that was newly made. We have only discovered things that were already there. Yeah. We just never noticed before. So. Yeah, and also, when you talk about that, I forgot about that. I have this. I have a little section back on evolution. I have a little section on missing links. So basically, I think who was it that mentioned that um, they claim that you know, like you don't see evolution anymore. So if evolution is true, would we not find like you know half bird half dinosaurs? Yeah. It seems like that would happen. And they claim. So the first thing I wanted to put up about this part was that they've tried to put feathers on dinosaurs now and illustrations in museums they put feathers on dinosaurs because they're saying dinosaurs turned into birds and so these dinosaurs have feathers before we get into that though i'd like to say that the institute for creation research says before even considering the dinosaur to bird story possible we should first examine the anatomical precision of feathers they grow out of skin follicles much like mammal hairs they are completely different from reptilian scares in their organization development function and mode of replacement indeed they are unique systems involving stem cells and specialized regulatory proteins Built-in timers know when to shed a worn feather and grow a fresh replacement. Such complexity defies idea of gradual change, since all these parts have to be in place and working together at the same time to produce one feather. In contrast, scales are simply thick and forms of skin. So as you can see, feathers to scales isn't nearly as simple as they make you want to believe. However, another thing that I like to note is that true feathers, through true bird fossils appeared before dinosaurs in the fossil record. A fact that those who prove the strange dinosaur to bird theory gloss right over. Because if you look at the fossil record, there were birds before there was when like in a state area before like as old as dinosaurs. And so if dinosaurs evolved into birds, wouldn't it follow that the birds would come after the dinosaurs? Yeah. The only thing I want to point about that was that um, assuming hypothetical assuming hypothetical feathers on dinosaurs function as modern feathers do, they must consist of all their required working parts. Even the angle, thickness, and shape and construction of the parts must all exist and be assembled within narrow tolerances. So far, Darwinists have only impressions of proto-feathers that they assume were structures on the way to becoming modern feathers. But until they became functional feathers, it appears they would have decreased the creature's fitness, making them less likely to persist in future generations. And then as far as missing links go, they're just supposed to transitional phases between different evolutionary, one stage and another. Um, I just have three little ones here. Just Lucy, she was a stage between, I don't know, like the original ancestor and humans. Um, However, she has been widely debunked. Um, the Institute for Creation Research said both anatomy and evolutionary disagreement have already dis debunked Lucy as any kind of human ancestor. In fact, it's been almost unanimously decided that Lucy was just in fact an ape. Then I had the Piltdown Man and the Java Man. The first one, the Piltdown Man, is actually con is occasionally considered the greatest example of evolutionary gullibility of the 20th century. They took a human skull and an orangutan jaw and they stuck them together and made them look like fossils and said that this is a human remains, when it was actually just a human skull, top, and a orangutan jaw, and it wasn't discovered to be a fraud until 40 years after its discovery. And the last one was the Java Man, it was discovered by Eugene Dubois in 1892. All that was found was a small piece of a skull cap, four teeth, and a thigh bone, and immediately the Java Man was paraded around as a new missing link between humans and their ancient evolutionary ancestors. However, it was later discovered that it was in fact the thigh bone of an ordinary human being. The four teeth, two of them were human teeth, four, two of them were orangutan teeth, and there is actually no evidence that the, the skull cap and the thigh bone even came from the same individual, seeing as they were found around 50 feet apart. And so that's as far as missing links go. I think you can see from just a couple examples, no matter how many times an evolutionist tries to tell you they have missing links, even if it hasn't been disproved yet, sooner or later, they're going to find out that it was fake. Yeah.
right here. I, I do have validated here from the first time. Uh, so he uh, has his stance on it, but I have the stance of we 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 will never know how the Earth actually is. It could be trillions of years old. It could only be like four thousand years old. We don't know. I'm gonna agree with you on that one because I mean, do we even know that like carbon carbon dating is, is, is working? Like uh, no, it is not working. E exactly. I have two examples here as far as carbon dating goes. Um, there was the Bolsovich mammal was found. One part of it was carbon dated at 29,500 years old. Another part carbon dated at 44,000 years old. Yeah. Similarly, living mollusks, living creatures, were carbon dated at over 2,500 years old. Carbon dating is not an accurate representation of the Earth's age, or yeah. any age of anything. Which, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of my point there, is like, carbon dating isn't really you working, and I, I don't think that we're ever going to be able to find out how yeah. old the Earth actually no, is. We, will, we won't know the exact age, yeah. but mm -hmm. we can like kind of gauge, cause, like, uh, I know you have looked at it, where like, uh, it. where the, if you follow the Bible back, and do all the age and everything, it's like, what, 6,000? Yeah, yeah. If you follow the genealogies from Genesis up to Jesus or whatever, and you can follow through that to now, you can see that the Earth, according to the Bible's genealogies, is only about 6,000 years old. There is the problem of there is supposed gaps in the genealogies. We don't know for sure there are gaps or there aren't. That's not hasn't been verified. I don't think I'd have to yeah. look into it further. But as far as science goes for the age of the Earth, I can say that there has been, there's proof that it is at least under certain ages. The the institute the Answers to Genesis website actually has a ton on this. Um, the one that I looked at was I have a couple here. The first one is that the Earth is surrounded by a magnetic field that protects living things from solar radiation. Without it, life could not exist which is why scientists were surprised to discover that the field is quickly wearing down. At the current rate, the field and the Earth could be no older than 20,000 years. Several measurements confirm this decay. Since measurement began in 1845, the total energy stored in the Earth's magnetic field has been decaying at a rate of 5% per century, providing that the Earth's much younger than evolution's play. So technically, yes, we can't know the exact age of the Earth. We can know that it's not, well, not necessarily as old as they claim it to yeah. be. Um, there's a couple other things here. Um, natural radioactivity, mutations, and decay degrade DNA and other biological material rapidly. DNA experts insist that DNA cannot exist in natural environments longer than 10,000 years. Yet intact strains of DNA appear to have been recovered from fossils allegedly much older. Neanderthal bones, insects in amber, and even from dinosaur fossils. Bacteria allegedly 250 million years old apparently have been revived with no DNA damage. Soft tissue and blood cells from dinosaur have, been ast have astonished experts all of which are evidence of a much younger Earth than the evolutionists claim, as advocated by the Bible. Uh, one thing I forgot, I missed this earlier, when you were talking about the Bible's, like, trustworthiness, is I wanted to cover, uh, the Bible is written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors. On three continents. Yeah, and so it's kind of, even though that was pretty, pretty close on those three continents where it was written, it's still pretty hard to disprove that all of them that were working, that they weren't working together. They uh, were they were inspired by God to write this. I mean, like, some of them might have just been writing their life, but that made it into the Bible because yeah. it was led by God. Yeah. This is that um, and no prophecy of the Bible is only for private interpretation. To, oh, how does it go? Well, I don't remember the exact beginning of the verse, but it says that um, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is not written, it's written by man, but it was inspired by God. And, um, what was I say? Oh, yeah, that's right. So, as far as I heard an illustration of this once, if you went into New York City and you picked five people that didn't know each other, 
and you told them to write on the same controversial subject. Do you know what you would find? Five different opinions on this controversial subject, which is why it's so incredible you can take the Bible and you can open it up and you can look through its pages and you can find zero contradictions across 1,500 years, 40 human authors and three continents. Writing on the same you can find people who will uh, try to contradict the Bible, but, but you can disprove yeah, it. Yeah, it's easily disproven. I've seen many Bible contradictions, supposed Bible contradictions, and I've also seen, I think every single one I've ever heard, I have been able to find a suitable answer for it to say, that's not a contradiction, you just have to look at it under the light of logic. Like, uh, I just did a class last year, my Bible, my Bible class last year was literally contradiction, Bible contradictions and whatnot, how to disprove them. I may not remember them all, and if someone comes up to, me, up to me with a contradiction, I might not be able to disprove it right off the bat, but give me like a few days and I could disprove you. Yeah. I, there's no, dis, there's no uh, contradictions in the Bible. The Bible is a perfect book because God inspired it. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing, uh, how science and the Bible and Christianity and all that coexist, I wanted to mention because in Psalms 8.8 it says that there are natural paths in the oceans. Psalms was written approximately 3,000 years ago, if you follow the ge Bible genealogy thing. Yeah. Uh, and scientists didn't discover that there were actual paths in the ocean until 1854. Yeah. I have a list here, actually. So I was look I was curious about this, because I've heard a lot of people make these claims and stuff, and I've heard it a lot of times, and I wanted to, you know, I've heard, I know this is true, so I wanted to fact-check me a list. I have a list of 29 different places where pla the Bible says something, okay? A scientific fact. For instance, I have that, um, like you said, the oceans have natural paths in them, da-da-da-da-da, uh, taxonomic classification matters, certain animals carry diseases harmful to men, early diagnosis of leprosy, quarantine for disease control, infinite number of stars exist, no other material value, everything. Like, pretty much these, like, 29 different scientific facts the Bible proved. And I have this list, I'm not going to read them for it because it's pretty long, um, but basically the earliest, there's, there's 29 facts the Bible stated beforehand, I have the references here. But I also noticed that the Bible says it, and then most of these facts weren't officially discovered by science until the 15th century. It's not until the 15th century did science begin to realize how accurate the Bible actually was when it says things. Because also I saw this other thing that said that when the Bible said things about science that turned out to be true, they actually would have been in direct contradiction to what the, the scientists of their day taught because it was a different era. And so the scientists of their day would teach one thing, and as they were writing the Bible, they'd be writing something contrary to what the scientists of their day taught, which was later discovered to be actually true. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of interesting to look, read these verses and see that the Bible is completely accurate in everything it says, whether it be to archaeology, history, or science. Yeah, so. Um, another thing that I found uh, intriguing about the way he phrased it, and it's true, though, uh, so, Dr. Hobbin, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, he had like this thing where he had people come up to him, try to uh, just basically ask him questions about God or disprove God. Mm, and I know so, what you're about. Uh, he did this. One of the guys came up to him, asked, Where did God come from? And so, th that question clearly doesn't talk about the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible would have to not be a part within our rules of the world. Time, because there are three things in this world that have to exist all at once. Time, space, and matter. If you have time and space, where you, uh, what are you going to put there? If you have space and matter, where are you, what time are you going to put it in? So that type of thing. And 
to create some the rules of the world like that, you cannot be within those rules of the world. Exactly. So God has always existed. He will forever exist. You know, and that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. And, uh, nobody can really understand yeah, you, that. We, no. You can't, like, grasp the concept of God because he is just unable to comprehend with our exactly. minds. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Our finite minds cannot comprehend God's infinite. As far as um, the age of the earth thing goes, I only one other thing I wanted to talk about was the flood. Or, no, sorry. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But first, I wanted to mention there's these things called polystrate fossils. I actually didn't remember these until my brother told me I should look into these for the for this podcast episode. So polystrate fossils are essentially these fossils that go through multiple layers, and so evolutionists claim that over thousands and millions of years, as you know, sediment slowly accumulated, forming the geological layers you see today. That's what they teach. However, the polystrate fo- a polystrate fossil is a fossil that extends through more than one layer. There have actually been instances of trees, fossilized trees, that extended through up to 10,000 years worth of accumulation. So how did this happen? From a quick little bit of studying, I found out that when a tree dies, it completely rots away in about 100 years. And so if you take a tree and it dies, you can't wait tens of millions of, uh, thousands and millions of years for the sediment to build up because the tree would have away and been, you know, destroyed. It would have rotted away. Yeah. So in order for the tree, to, the fossilized tree to be there, the sediment had to be laid very quickly. Now, I don't know exactly how it happened. I obviously, I, I wasn't there. However, I believe that if you actually think about it, if there was such, if you believe the Bible, then you believe that early into humankind history, there was a worldwide flood. And so when you talk about sediments being laid really fast, what would lay them faster than a worldwide flood picking up sediments and putting them over top of things? Because if you look at the fossil record, you see so many instances of animals being buried quickly as if they didn't, were alive when they were buried. There's a literally, a, I don't remember, I've seen a picture a lot, a fossil of a fish eating another fish. Meaning it had to be buried in the sediment fast enough that while it was eating, it had to be buried. It couldn't have yeah. slowly been buried over millions of years. There's also things like, uh, there was, like I think, whale bones found on like one of the tallest mountains in the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're looking at flood proof, there's a lot there. Because, um, yeah, the fossils of sea creatures high above sea level due to the ocean waters having flooded over the continents. Um, we find fossils of sea creatures and rock layers that cover all the continents. For example, most of the rock layers in the walls of the Grand Canyon, more than a mile above sea level, contain marine fossils. Well, I think I think see what you're talking about, though. I've seen that. I've heard that one before. Yeah. I also saw that fossilized shellfish have actually been found in the land. And uh, that's uh, one thing that uh, I also like looking at is the flood, because we don't have dinosaurs anymore because of the uh, flood or what happened after the flood. Uh, yeah. From that. But we are discovering new fish in the deepest part of the ocean, which makes me think: yeah. Are some of those dinosaurs fish were? are on the bottom. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's a valid theory why we don't see them because they're down way, way down there. I mean, yeah. we found bones of them, but... Yeah. I, I wasn't planning on mentioning this. I just thought of this again. I'm going to mention it now. There is a fish called the coelacanth, okay? I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Its name is spelled really weirdly. And so, um, basically, it's this fish, and scientists found its fossils, and they're like, this fish went extinct million, 60 million years ago. I think it was something like that. Maybe it was 45 million years ago. It was millions and, and millions of years ago. Is that ago. the one that they found off yeah. the coast of Madagascar? Yeah. So there's this fish they said went extinct millions of years ago, and they looked at its feet, and it has really weird fins, okay? Its fins are weird looking if you look at them. And so they're saying this fish, it, the reason its fins are weird is because it was evolving feet to walk on land. And so they're saying this is a fish that walked on land with its feet. And then, all of a sudden, lo and behold, in like the 19, what, 1960 or something? I think so. They all of a sudden caught a live coelacanth. And ex- a fish that had been extinct for millions of years was caught in the ocean, and it was actually discovered those little, um, uh, the feet that used to walk on land were actually just normal fins. They were not feet. 
And huh. so when evolution tries to take these fossils and they say, they try to, because they look at fossils and they don't just look at them and try to draw conclusions from them, they try to say, how can we make this fit evolution? And when they do that, they tend to have problems. Another one would be Archaeopteryx. It was a fossil that was found, I, I think I'm practically pronouncing that right, and it was found and um, it was believed to be a bird, with a dinosaur bird, because it was like a dinosaur shaped with feathers or whatever. And then recently, it's actually fairly, re I think it's fairly recently, it's actually been discovered that this dinosaur bird was actually just a normal bird. Yeah. And so when evolution tries to claim that these animals are missing links or that they are dino birds or that they're extinct fish that can walk on land, they actually just discover later that they weren't actually look, portraying the evidence in the correct way. They were giving you a false, a false example, if you will. Yeah. Um, I have a lot, couple other things for the flood. We don't need to go through all of them. Uh, do you have any other topics? Or? Uh, not really. Let me look real quick. I just wanted to... Because uh, that's all the topics I had researched. Yeah. I wanted to mention... Yeah, we, uh, if you guys, just while we're while yeah, he's looking through his topics, yeah. uh, if you have any topics that we do not cover in these episodes, just drop them down in the comment section. If you have any questions, we can uh, drop them down there, too. Uh, we'll try our best to fit them into a podcast and answer them to the best of our ability. We, and we're more than, more than willing to answer any questions you have. So, is that the conclusion? Uh, if you don't get anything else. Yeah, and he forgot. So, notes, so. Whether, you're, whether or not you're a Christian or an atheist, as we, I believe, have fairly well proven, if the secular worldview of the Big Bang and evolution and all that is false, then the only answer is the Bible. If you look at it, ultimately, there's only two explanations of the Earth, and it's the Bible and evolution of the Big Bang, correct? Yeah. And so if the Bible has proven and been, been proven and authenticated hundreds of times, whether that be scientifically, archaeology, I've even seen, ast like, ast uh, not astronauts, um, what do they call it, astronomists, have even been able to look at the stars and say, yeah, the Bible's accurate. So it's been proven through all these different methods of science. Every area of science proves the, the accuracy of the Bible and the existence of God. And as we've shown, no matter how hard the world tries, they can never disprove God of the Bible. So if you want an accurate account of where our Earth came from, here's what you got to do. Take your Bible, open up to Genesis 1, and start reading. If yeah. you want to know where it came from, that's, that's the best way I can think to describe it. And so if you would like further information on the subject of science versus Christianity and creation and evolution, the Big Bang, and the, like basically disproving those and proving why they have to be false, um, I would suggest the Answers in Genesis website. They have a ton of articles and free material to read, spanning countless topics. And then also the Institute for Creation Research website has a lot of great information. The links for those will be in the description if you're interested in looking into this further. Also, uh, I did a lot of just looking stuff up on YouTube or searching things yeah, on Google same. or whatnot. Uh, YouTube has a lot of like great people who are uh, talking about this, and that's where I got a lot of my information from, so I didn't like write it down as much. But yeah, You guys should also check out Spotify, too, because they have some really good yeah, Christian there's, podcasts there's, there's, on there, too. There's yeah. other podcasts than us who uh, speak on like things, Christians versus uh, science, and answering questions and whatnot, so go ahead and check them out. Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts. There's an yeah. entire podcast dedicated to this subject, and I know we can only cover just the smallest little portion of it. Yeah, but and I know that I would like to probably come back to this subject to yeah. cover more, like, yeah. the science a lot views, like, maybe we could cover, like, the meteor thing or whatever. There's a lot to be said on the subject. Yeah, so. But that's all I want to close. Yeah. All right, thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. I guess let's pray, and then it'll be done. Dear Lord, I pray to thank you for this day, and I pray to thank you for just giving us everything given us. I pray to thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this podcast. I pray that you'll be with anyone that hears it, that you'll use this episode and this podcast just to teach them more about the world that you created. Um, 
and I pray that uh, just anyone that does hear it, anyone that listens, even if they're not a Christian per se, maybe they're an atheist and they're looking for the truth, that they see that I want, I pray that you would use this podcast to help them in their lives and to teach them and maybe even to help lead them to salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right, thank you guys very much. And we'll see you next month. Yes.